Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Classical Stuff You Should Know podcast, put on by classy dudes mm-hmm. at a classical school yep. teaching classical things. Yep. To you classical sh- you people? You should know. You should know. Okay. Uh, I'm AJ Hannenberg. I teach ninth grade English, senior English, and and senior rhetoric. And I am joined today by Thomas Magby. Hey. And he is the dean of student life here at Veritas. He is also just a classical things enthusiast. He actually wanted to invent this school yeah. before he knew this school existed. Yep. He came to our boss and was like, hey, what if, what if had- there was a school <laughs> like this? And our boss was like, you know, you know, I work there, right? Like that's, that's our school. And then also I'm here with Graham Donaldson who teaches 10th grade English, senior English and senior thesis. Hello. And we three compose the podcast. We like the three witches of Macbeth. We weave together a spell to enchant you every week. Boil, boil, double, double, trouble, 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 fire burn and cauldron bubble. bubble. When shall we three meet again? When the... When the hurly is done, when the battle's lost in one. All right, today uh, Thomas is going to be leading us through something, so... (laughs) Yeah, we'll come up with a topic as we go. No, I'll be talking about acedia today, uh, also translated as sloth sometimes. So this topic came up during AJ's discussion of the seven deadly sins from Dante's Inferno, and I went back and listened to that part, and uh, it's great. But So we spent six minutes on uh, the synesthesia, and... I thought there's probably a little bit more to share there. So we're coming back to it today. Uh, If you hear papers rustling during this, which you probably hear during most of our podcasts, uh, I'm flipping through a book called The Noonday Devil, Acedia, the Unnamed Evil of Our Time um, by Jean-Charles Nolte. Uh, He's a Benedictine monk. It's a very good book. I recommend it. And I have Calvin and Hobbes. Yep, yep, that's going to be good. Graham, what do you have? Oh, there's a tiny squirrel in the bookcase. He's rustling (laughs) rustling papers. (laughs) It's going to be good. All right, so um, I'll be... I guess we'll be jumping through the book as we go. So the way the book is organized is kind of a um, how the view of Acedia has changed over time. And so uh, this has been referenced a few times, but so when um, Aristotle is talking about courage, the way that we understand courage is from looking at soldiers in the battlefield. Um, the, the courage is that mean between them running headlong into battle and them not going into battle at all. Courage is the mean between those two. And so Acedia, likewise, we, we only understand because of um, this group of people called the Desert Fathers, uh, I think of St. Anthony as the most famous of them. I don't know if you have, like, like your favorite, like... Uh, St. Simon, the one who uh, lived on a pole. Yep, that's a good one. St. Simon Stylites. Yeah. I don't know if he's my favorite. He's just the one I remember. <laughs> he's just like that story. Because he lived one. on a pole. Yeah. Who uh, was it? Which, there was one, and I might be just be thinking of Martin Luther here, but he farted at the devil when he was tempted. Don't you know that, that one? You made that you mean Saint, no, Saint Hindenburg of No, honest to goodness, Washington. when he was tempted, he would fart at the devil. He's like, one thing the devil cannot take, and that's ridicule. If you make fun of him, he'll go away, because he, he is very prideful, so he doesn't like that. I just Googled that, and I kind of regret it, but there's nothing... You're on a watch list now. I am on a watch list. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Veritas Wi-Fi, so that probably wasn't a great idea. Anyway, devil farts, not a thing. Uh, no, sorry, it is a thing. I didn't look into it more than, like, the first search result. Anyway, here we are. So, uh, the Desert Fathers, this group of people who... Um, had previously been in uh, big cities, and then they fled to, you guessed it, the desert, to escape the temptations of that life. But uh, as all of them discovered, but St. Anthony probably most famously, is that just because you've escaped from places where sins happen doesn't mean that sins suddenly go away. The desire for that sin is is inside of a person, and that travels with the person. So there's, uh, it's repeated in art, um, often the temptation of St. Anthony. There's also, it's like a short... 
story or short book called The, the Temptation of St. Anthony. Is that where there's a guy who always looks real miserable and there's all these wacky demons was, like picking at him and pulling yeah. at him and little hooks in him? Yeah, and it, he's like in a cave and they're yeah, all around yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a theme. He is a poor guy. Uh, so what he and all of them discovered is that sin doesn't suddenly disappear just because uh, you're out in you the desert. You yourself from other people. Yeah, sin, sin is still present. Um, it's kind of... Yeah, there's still this kind of twisted desire inside of the person whenever they whenever they leave. So one of those, uh, so so they go to the desert, and then one of these people is named Evagrius. We talked about him before a little bit too. And Evagrius is trying to chronicle um, what are kind of the the tendencies of sin that he sees in the in the desert fathers, the monks around him. Uh, and one of them is this word acedia. Okay, so I guess we'll start here. Acedia we sometimes translate as sloth. How else? How, do y'all have any other like awesome definitions that you are used to using for this? Despair. Despair. That's a good one. Is it laziness? Is I mean, is it the same kind of thing? I think of that. Like that, that, when we say sloth, like laziness mm-hmm. is one that. But isn't it? It's, I think it's laziness born of a deep spiritual despair, right? You don't work because you don't think anything will actually come of it. Yep. So that's why you stay at home. It's not because you just tend to like your bed. That that kind of goes into gluttony, yeah. right? You want comfort. You want to play video games. You want to. It's it's when you go to comfort and video games and home because you don't think there will be anything, mm-hmm. like any fruit of your work. Yeah, yeah. So the the word itself, the word in Greek means a lack of care, a lack of care, a lack of concern. So that is before it's used in any kind of spiritual connotation. There's, there are also uses of, if you just look how the word is used, it kind of denotes this act of not burying one's dead, which is really interesting. Oh, interesting. But, so then Evagrius brings this this term in, and it's no longer just a lack of care uh, about the deceased. It's this lack of care given to one's own spiritual life. And that's what AJ is talking about right there. Uh, it's a lack of concern for one's salvation. Uh, it's a carelessness. It's, it's an indifference. And I think those kind of get more at, like, yeah, I guess I hadn't heard the laziness brought into gluttony before. Is that is that in Dante? Like, does he tie those two together? I think this is more my clear understanding of yeah. it. And I, I, again, I could be totally wrong about no. this. But, no, I like that, though. But gluttony is the pursuit of personal comfort to excess, yeah. right? Where you you go so far that you would deprive others was a piece of it when we talked about the seven deadly sins. Like, mm-hmm. you, you consume so much food that someone else is going without and to an unhealthy level. But laziness, I think, can stem from a couple different things. It can be just because you really like the couch and you like sleeping, or it can be that you you despair at the thought of actually doing anything. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to eventually, I'll throw it in right here. So despair, so Aquinas, uh, for each of the uh, cardinal sins, uh, there's the sin itself, and then there are the children of those sins. And despair is the first child of uh, acedia. Mm. Uh, it's the first and worst of the of the children is despair, that giving up, that there is no hope. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, acedia also, so we're talking about this hopelessness, but that hopelessness has some different aspects to it. And again, originally understood by Vagrius, there's this um, temporal dimension, the spatial dimension. And so when we talk about the noonday devil, we talk about Asidia coming at a specific time for the monks because they were supposed to be in their room um, praying and fasting between 10 and 2, 10 and 3, just kind of that afternoon time. But what happened was, instead of it feeling like the four or five hours that it actually was, that time would feel like it's 50 hours. It would feel like it's a never-ending amount of time between um, your prayer in the morning, the daily office, and then your um, the, the evening prayer at the end. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think this is something that we still see today that like um, people talking about the work that they have to do. It's no longer like a, a pleasure at the work. It's, I don't know. Do you all, when you all assign homework and that it's reading 
Paradise Lost, let's say, a great book that we were just talking about on the last episode. Instead of it being like, I spent an hour reading this. Do you ever hear from students? This took me forever. Yeah, and I think it's a little hard to gauge whether they're being on, not on, not that they're outright lying, but to them, the perception of how long something took must have been four hours because it felt like it. I remember I had to practice piano 30 minutes a day every day when I was a kid, and mom would put the uh, put it on the stove, put like the countdown, or the, a timer on the on the oven, and while I was practicing, and I would practice, and I would look up, and I was I was convinced <laughs> she was bumping up the time because there was no way it's only been, been three minutes. Yeah. It felt like it, eternity, and I think that's the the feeling that they're talking about when you yes. are engaged in something. And I think is it always something that's actually for your benefit um, mm. that time feels like it's taking forever? That's a great point. So in this context, it is. But could it, what would the what would the alternative be? Like you're sinning and it feels like it's taking forever, um, or some sort of pain, like, a, like like if you're in the dentist office or something and it feels like it's taking. Forever. I think I, I think, think it's a different thing. Come a point where you are you are sinning and you have sinned so often that it is no longer bringing much pleasure and now you're just going through the motions because it's what you know yeah. and it feels like it's taking forever. And I think that's where the Satan is the happiest, right? He has not only coaxed you into sin but taken away all the pleasure of it, right? That's man. Sorry, just this still makes me want to read Paradise Lost, like talking about that. Uh, I think that was uh, screw tape. Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a temporal dimension. There's this time uh, things. So these good acts that you, so just AJ, you saying that makes me so people that are trying to um, like replace something in their life. So uh, Graham, your example was no. Graham, did you just talk about video games taking the place? That's me. Okay, so sorry. AJ, I'm just going to talk about all of your great ideas. So someone wants to move away from playing video games all the time, and so they're like, I am not going to play video games. I'm going to read my Bible. Imagine that first day of them doing that. And whereas they could have spent four hours playing video games very easily, four hours of reading the Bible would probably feel like an eternity, right? They're just not used to um, using their time that way. Um, and so that would be a seed. That would be a seed. Yeah, that would be the restlessness um, of moving into that good. The other dimension of it is a spatial dimension, um, this feeling of being hemmed in, this feeling of being stifled. Um, this Again, we understand primarily from the monks that the, they had to. They felt they felt like they had to get out of their cell. They even call it a cell, isn't that something? They had to get out of their room between ten and three, but only because they were supposed to be in their room between ten and three. It's like if I say I'm going to pray. Um, so Graham leads this morning prayer group, and so if I said I'm going to be there every day at seven thirty-five to to pray, the and I came and then I suddenly felt I need to be out of here. It's only because I had committed to that prayer that I feel like I then have to flee. I have to escape. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. If you, I don't know if you have people running out during your morning prayer. I don't know. We don't. Um, but I wouldn't say it's well attended. Yep. Um, but uh, but I understand like that that thought that when you have a thing that you've dedicated yourself to, I'm going to fast today, um, uh, so that I can focus on this thing that I'm going to be praying for. Um, yeah, your relationship with food. Oh, it's just I cannot wait for this day to be over, right. kind of thing. Whereas I would never think about my day if I wasn't trying to better myself. But I guess what's strange is like there's nothing on the other side of that day that mm-hmm. will like release the pressure. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's this feeling that time has stood still while you're in the middle of this good thing. And but on the other side of that is, I don't know. There's not a better thing on the side on the other side mm-hmm. of that. Funny story about morning prayer. Uh, after a holiday, I had sent out an email. Uh, just uh, to everybody reminding people that morning prayer happens. And uh, my subject heading on morning prayer was morning prayer. That was the subject heading. And and someone got the email and they only read it from the side, like they were driving and they saw the email pop up. 
and they thought it said morning player. <laughs> and, she, and then she was like, why is Donaldson emailing the me? The entire high school. Morning player. Morning player. So when yep. I see that particular faculty member on campus, I say morning player. <laughs> and every email from now on is <laughs> some, some variation. Anyway. No, perfect. So, so it's a spiritual, it's like almost. So time stands still. Is it your fallen nature wanting to rebel against the good, the, right? The, yeah. like rebel against the good. Yeah. And, and probably habit, too, right? The more we'll often we do that. something, the easier it is. That's right. That's, th- this book makes this really big distinction between a habit and a habitus. And unless you all are smarter than me, I couldn't figure out the difference. One is uh, Latin. Ah, thank you. God bless yeah. you. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, we get into later that... So when we talk about leisure uh, many podcasts ago, uh, we talked about how the difficulty of a thing does not make it good. So because a thing is hard does not mean it's good. Mm-hmm. If the thing is good, that makes the hard work worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so virtue... Uh, we grow in loving virtue by practicing virtue, and then we get to a point where our instinct is virtue. That practice of virtue is a habitus. The external acts that we do are habits, is how this is distinguished later. Um, so we overcome this acedia through the practice of virtue, through mm-hmm. through habitus. But we're still, I guess we're still talking about the problem itself. We'll get to solutions for it, because uh, this is one, like, he actually has a solution to acedia. We're going to solve sloth on this podcast you guys we did it yeah we did <laughs> yep problem solved i like to end my leadership classes like that sometimes well we just solved that and we but, did it yep, yep. congratulations everybody job, everyone's like i don't think we actually did yeah people yeah, say that the questions that don't have answers are the best questions and i'm not sure that's true i think questions <laughs> that have hard answers yeah. are the best questions yeah okay so again we're uh, talking about evagrius desert fathers um uh, what does acidia look like and again he is writing to these people who are in the desert and they are monks and they are separated from society. But I think this still describes people today. He has these five principal manifestations of acedia. So what does acedia look like in a person? And I'll read off. I guess I'll just start going through them. So the first one is an interior instability. So when we talked about that, um, the spatial dimension of acedia, it's that one does not feel at peace with oneself. One has to be somewhere else. One has to do something else. One has to, to change. Um, that's the an interior instability that they have to change change something anything and that was will, will make them right. They are a runaway. They're a deserter who flees the spiritual battlefield. Um, is how does this manifest itself in people doing anything? Like, is this the midlife crisis where all of a sudden yes. you go and you buy the sports car? Is this the I need to get out of this town? I've lived here for so long and my life is slipping away and I need to go do some sort of amazing thing. Yes, it, both of those examples are brought up. Um, Later in the book, the the yeah, the feeling of the need to move when really there's nothing in that other city that's like better than where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, he, as one of his manifestations, I'll skip to it, is neglect in observing the rule. And when he talks about that, he's talking about the rule of Saint Benedict. And so the, the rule of Saint Benedict is about stability. Is mm-hmm. is one of the points? Conversion and obedience. Stability to the Benedict literally means staying in one place. Yeah, it's that feeling that one cannot stay in one place in one's place. Even though that's the life you've committed yourself to. You've committed to. yourself to this specific monastery, monastery in Norcia or the specific monastery wherever. Um, and then you've got this feeling like, that was a terrible decision and I right. need to get out of here. Whereas what's over there is very similar to what is here. Yep. Um, and you are not any different. Say, you'll be the yeah, same yeah. person mm-hmm. when you go to that mm-hmm. other place. Um, there's an exaggerated concern for one's health. Again, specifically, mm. the the concern that the monk had was they, uh, they suddenly became ravenously hungry. Um, I, I thought this was a funny description. So again, between 10 and 2 or 10 and 3, they're fasting. So at the third hour, 
Acedia causes shivering, headaches, and vertigo. By the ninth hour, the patient has recovered his strength, and when dinner is ready, he jumps out of bed. Um, so it's they suddenly became very sick just because they're fasting for four or five hours during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, That's funny. Yeah. I, this one probably doesn't land as well with us because there's not as much fasting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Have you, have you all fasted? Oh, whatever. You're not supposed to talk about it, but... Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I or know someone who's fasted, and you're like, or you can tell that they're we'll fasting because they're. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I mean, I've fasted for things before, um, and yeah, it's true. Like, like on on a regular, you know, on a regular day by lunchtime, maybe I'm hungry, but on a day where I'm specifically fasting, like everyone is food, mm-hmm. or you know, <laughs> everyone <laughs> looks look like, like the the turkey legs, yeah, like yeah. you see on cartoons. Yeah, yeah, everyone and the food that they have, and you're sort of hyper aware of their food. And it's your heart. You're like you said, I'm going to fast because of whatever reason. Yeah, and and then it's your body. It's like you know your little fallen spirit saying like I'm going to make you focus on food and not focus on this particular thing that you're praying for. This particular reason why you're fasting for it. Whereas on any other day, you wouldn't even be thinking about it. Yeah, you just be doing work. I, d- I also feel whenever I fast that I want to tell everyone that mm-hmm. I'm fasting, mm-hmm. which is like the one thing that you're commanded not to do while yeah. fasting. Um, I think. Yeah, it's an exaggerated concern. Like, I want everyone to know, like, oh, how hard life is for me right now. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, like, yeah. No, that's true. I, yes. But you all are holier than me. And so no, you know I think the last time I fasted, I, like, made sure people knew. <laughs> no, I just skip meals on accident. I never actually. <laughs> just forget. This is because you work too hard and you love the school too much, so. Uh, also, I'm lazy <laughs> when it comes to food. <laughs> Good. I'm just forgetful. Yeah. So when you, talking about this, is this a similar thing to like when Thoreau says most men live lives of quiet desperation? Is this kind of the same, is that the sentiment, the same sentiment? Can you say more? Um, that people are living these lives of quiet desperation, this idea that that uh, um, people don't have a, a plan or a purpose or they're just sort of going through the motions and deep down if they ever thought about the plans and the motions that they're doing, they'd kind of freak out about it. Yes. We're doing Hamlet in senior English and I'm becoming convinced that acedia and the problem of acedia is a really big topic in Hamlet because there's this one moment where Hamlet is looking at men who are going to march off to their death and he has this thought where he says, they're marching off to their death for some battle that doesn't mean anything. Do they, and they're doing it they're seemingly doing it with their will, like fully knowing that this is what they're doing. And he says to himself, do they know something about life that I don't? Mm. Like, are they willing to die and because they've settled their hearts on this being a noble purpose and I've just never figured it out? Or am I actually the person that's figured out what life is and they're just going through their lives, going through the motions, and they're these sort of like sheep people who are not even thinking about their life. So um, my, my point is like, Thoreau says... So the army is, has a CD in that case? Uh, or back and forth. Hamlet, yeah. Hamlet often accuses himself of lack of initiative. Mm-hmm. Right? Something we talked about in my class, going back to the tripartite soul, he's got the intellect and he's got desires, but he cannot... His intellect is not spurring him to action. And he's he, got no will. He accuses himself of that more than once. And one of the times that he does it is when he sees this army marching off and he's like, they are going and fighting over this patch of land that means nothing. They're and, all willpower. Yeah, and they're going to go and they're going to fight this fight. And I have all kinds of reasons to be doing stuff. Like my honor's besmirched, my dad is dead, my mom is married, my uncle, and it's weird, and I don't like it, and I'm, I'm responsible for all this justice, and I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And so he accuses himself of, yeah, this lack of will. And then eventually it just spirals down in Hamlet to, you know, if you're in my class, spoilers, watch out. It, it, spirals, it spirals down into him taking no action until 
the moment is come and he's like, wow, well, I'm just ready for it. And that readiness is what matters. And he, he hasn't really done much except put on a play once. Yep. But, it, his, but his musing of it is, am I, am I right in overthinking because I really want to make the right action or am I wrong in not acting because I'm, I'm not acting? Like I feel like the person who has the vice of acedia can really justify their inactivity or their laziness through lots of good reasons. Yes. Um, well, that, and so the the what, what, or what they think are good reasons. Yes, but what gets, so the hard thing for the monk is that they're supposed to be in their um, room praying for those hours. But what they want to do is go and encourage another person. Yeah, they exactly. want to go to another monastery and give them a, a really rousing speech on the love of God. They want to go to the local city and and um, and uh, evangelize and mm-hmm. bring people to the Lord. But what they're called. I just I think of your talk on Paradise Lost that there's a thing that they are called to there um, there's a vocation given to them they're rejecting their vocation in mm-hmm. order to do another good thing mm-hmm. and so by rejecting their vocation they're doing a wrong mm. um, and so it's almost it's a lack of faith in God that He will take care of the other monastery or mm-hmm. will reach the people of the city. Um, your question on cowardice the answer is yes if that falls under acedia. Um so we. I got, we'll go into this right now. So we said the first daughter of so the first um, thing that flows out of Asidia we said was uh, despair. Um, so as, uh, what flows from Asidia are two things, or well, many. Yeah, things. how many kids are there? Many, many, many children. Many children. And they're all very bad. You don't want to be in this family. Um, so uh, the sin described here is where we flee the acts that sadden us, and uh, he avoid. So what you're describing with Hamlet is he avoids the things that lead to the end. Here again, um, he does this in the way of faint-heartedness. He avoids the acts that lead to the ends that are advisable but difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's he should have stood up and done something and instead chose not to. Isn't that what you're describing right mm-hmm. there? So absolutely, that would be faint-heartedness. And we were having a conversation just before we start. We hit record on the podcast that faint-heartedness is in opposition to uh, magnanimity or great solidness. Um, Hamlet is making himself a a smaller, weaker, lesser person. Instead of acting nobly, acting acting greatly, um, so yeah, absolutely, that would fall under acedia. Okay, I'm going to jump back to the signs of acedia, and then we'll get to we'll go through all the children, I guess. Man, this is going to be good. Okay, this has given us a, a direction to go with this. Okay, so exaggerated concern for one's health is a sign of acedia. Uh, another sign of it you is say exaggerated concern for one's health. Yes, that's what we talked about for the fasting, and where suddenly people get headaches, and um, it's fascinating that this book is like the modern. What's the subtitle of the book? The modern uh, Acedia, the unnamed, unnamed evil modern, of our yeah. times. Um, I think he's spot on with that. With the with the over uh, the over yeah um, fascination with one's health. Yeah, and just to say, so we're talking. So Evagrius, desert father, long time ago, but the book is written by Jean Charles Nault. So um, he's a still living Benedictine monk, uh, and he is summarizing summarizing that work. He'll eventually get to Aquinas because I can't let a podcast go by without talking about Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> so um, if you are playing the classical stuff, you should know Bingo, um, bingo yeah. at home yeah. that you can, uh, Thomas references Thomas can be your little square. <laughs> I feel like it would be 25 squares of <laughs> Thomas references Thomas Aquinas would be. Yep. Nailed it. Okay. So over concern for one's health. Next one is aversion to manual work. Um, uh, the, the funny one about this is that the way that the monks would make money do y'all know this? Do y'all know how, how monks made money? Uh, beer. Beer. Nope. Well, I mean, yes, but not in this case, <laughs> because we can't talk about the devil's Baggy. brew on this. So they would um, they would knit the, uh, I don't know if knitting is the right word, they would make these uh, like baskets. They would make mm-hmm. these like wicker kind of baskets, and then they would go to the, the town to sell them. And if no one bought them, they would come back and they would unmake them. They would take apart the baskets they made and then put them down. 
and then come back the next day, make a basket, go to town, try and sell them, come back, take them apart. Like, AJ is opening his eyes in terror right now, because does, doesn't that sound, like, horrible? Like It sounds awful. Yeah, because uh, I think it sounds meaningless. Like, I mean, that's kind of like... Yeah, me too. Your work kind of doesn't matter. But the reason they did this work is because it didn't require the full... Um, mental faculty to be making baskets and taking them apart. So it let you pray while mm. you were making those baskets. And so uh, that was the reason they picked a simple, quote, whatever, a simple task to do. But someone who is, struck, who is under, the, under the influence of acedia, who someone who is influenced by acedia only sees the meaninglessness of the activity. And so... And not the benefits. That not the benefits with. of it. And that's, that's the aversion to work. But it makes you wonder, like, once you got up a stock of baskets, or how many baskets can you sell before a town doesn't need no more baskets? <laughs> and then, like, can't you make something else that's simple that other people actually need sure. to do a good for but it's not, the community? But it's not about the basket. Like, that's, that's the beautiful thing, that the, the work process itself is about the worker there. It's about that person being able to grow closer to the Lord, to pray to the Lord, to be praying for other people instead of about the product that they're making. I don't know. I'm, I'm also... The business major in me is like, this could be so much more efficient. But I feel like you have a best of both wor- worlds there. Like make some stinking make baskets else. and yeah. then switch to stinking blankets <laughs> and make some blankets. That doesn't require the whole thing. But they weren't good at making either. blankets, isn't that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. That's hear me. You. That's the modern that in me, I yeah, guess. Which, nothing wrong with that. They Well, they were in the desert. They didn't need blankets. Maybe I guess it gets cold in the desert. It gets cold at night right and there's scorpions. You gotta keep the scorpions off. You need a scorpion blanket. Do we just invent? Sorry. <laughs> okay. That's aversion to work. Uh, and then I already talked about neglect and observing the rule, uh, this, that, which primarily manifested itself in not praying. Uh, and this is, I mean, I don't, this is one I see still today that like, so people will get into a, a, a sad place and their focus turns to what can I do to get out of this instead of praying to God, mm-hmm. um, believing in the sovereign God who can help them in that situation. Um, that would be another sign of a CD of creeping in. And then just a general discouragement at the end. Um, there's some stories here, but I'll skip over those. So a feeling of discouragement, uh, uh, aversion to manual work, all those things there. Um, but vigorous to the to these five things has five remedies for acedia. Uh, and again, what they kind of go with the the causes we just talked about. I'll just I'll run through these, and then we'll jump forward to um, the daughter the daughters of acedia, which I think is really interesting. So, uh, what do we do for one who shows these? Um, um, these actions. So, Ooh, are we these... guessing? No, 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 no. Oh. Do you, unless you want to do, do, you want to do quiz show? Yeah, I, I, I feel like I already show. have a bunch of points here Great. because well, you're tied one and one. No, right? We're tied one and one for quiz show. No, no, no. But like today, I guessed official. a bunch of stuff. No, it hasn't been. It wasn't official. official no, nope. even uh, though I guessed like nope. half the things, nope. I said nope. despair. Nope. That was nope. number one. Nope. Nope. nope, nope. But okay, that was actually pretty good. Right? Yeah, it was. Okay, so there are five. Of course, Graham doesn't want it to count. Okay, so those are the five signs of the CDO. What are the five remedies for acedia? Did we already say one? We can take it off the list. Which one? I don't know. I thought we already said one. Praying. Praying is one of them. <laughs> take that hand. I'm actually writing this down so I actually get this right. Okay. Working. Uh, those are combined in one, but well done. Or and Bora. Uh, eat that, Donaldson. What'd pair, you say? pair and work at Oral and Nabora are, uh... are are paired together as Aww. one. Yeah. Well, because remember when they're making the baskets, yeah, they're praying I also. I it's, guess that makes sense. There's a, a tying together of those two. I don't think you'll get the other four. You might get one of them. Um, fighting. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. <laughs> I'm uh, trying. To, I'm kind trying to, of. So, so if caring about your health health is one of them is 
like willful neglect of your person, like like not showering or bathing or <laughs> or flagellation or something. I don't know. I'm thinking of all I know about Desert Fathers. <laughs> and who did many of those things. The, More fasting? Is that a, <laughs> like that might be a solution? I don't know. I feel like the thing that would pull me out of Acedia is uh, fellowship, like brotherhood. Mm. Buddies. Not yeah. one of them. Go for a jog. Not one of them. Because monastic life, I mean, yeah. monad is one. It's, I mean, there's a... Um, yeah, a oneness to it, an aloneness to it. So is it is it? Uh, so prayer and work is the only one we've gotten so far. Is it far. contemplation? The scripture is that one? I feel like that's an automatic answer that I'll <laughs> into. It should be read the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> kind of brought in with prayer and work because you're praying through the Bible. Actually, I'm going to give you on Bible. The term he uses is contradiction, um, but the way that one contradicts is through the Bible. And we'll talk about what that is. There's a fancy Greek term for it, but I already know that I can't pronounce it. You're, you're squashing your hopelessness by bringing ver- pertinent verses to it. To the situation. Mm, right. Yep. Exactly. Honestly. So we're now we're tied again. Tied again. Tied one one. Um thinking about your How about death. one one more guess? You want two more guesses? What do you want? Yeah, well, two more guesses. Two more guesses, great. Each or just uh each. Okay. I do not think y'all are gonna get these other three. Memento Mori. Uh yes, meditation on death. Yeah. <laughs> think on death. Oh, that's just because it was in Hamlet recently. I feel like that's cheap. You also teach senior English. <laughs> I know. But I wasn't gonna bring it up, it felt too easy. <laughs> Two more. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of something that would end in forgetfulness of self. So, uh, can I give you a hint? Sure. Because okay. I, I feel like that's one of the things is that you are, if you are <clears throat> despairing of your own self-improvement, that's a very inward focused thing. And if you can find something that would focus you outwards, that, that would bring hope. Yes. So is it service? Is that one? Uh, Yes, I'm going to give you the point because it's sticking with that service. Mm. It's um, acedia is like you can you can start with service and and still be impacted by acedia. It's that you'll give up eventually. So it's it's perseverance is one of them. Okay, it's that you start with something and you keep with it. And so sir, yeah, absolutely for service. So you all are then tied. It also says Gaga on my sheet because you um, G A G A. Oh, because Graham A J Graham A J. Yeah. Why don't we do the quiz show with? I mean, we only do it when he's he's leading the podcast. I'm very okay with that because I would get all of them wrong. Uh, there's one more left. Does anyone want to go for it? Uh, I think it's a surprise. I think it's a surprising one. This is amazing. Yeah, radio the podcast radio. Yeah, <laughs> just all the sounds. All right, can, I, can I go for it? Great. Can I go for smooching. It. Like that always. <laughs> That'll do it. Yep, those monks so, and the I feel smooching. great about yep, life. How did you know? You're a great so monk. Uh, tears. The last one is tears. Um, which might be kind of surprising when acedia is tied with despair and sadness and all those things right there. But um, like, is it just cry it out? Like have a good cry? It's so all I of these. Can, I can buy that. Yeah. So I feel great that. after a good cry. Yes, yeah, catharsis. <laughs> but it's also that. So all of these things are done uh, unto. They're done before. They're done um, to. I guess God. And so it's it's not attempting to save oneself anymore. It's that moment of like giving up to God. Mm, mm-hmm. I can't care for myself. I can't, I cannot will myself to stay in my room for five hours to pray. I cannot will myself to fast well. I cannot will my, to do these things. God, I need you to change me. So, so one of them is perseverance and one of them is giving up. Um, to God. I yeah. mean, it's like, it's like God work on me. God, okay. I need you like, to. Gotcha. So, so I guess kind of a spiritual abandon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But rather than being the opposite of perseverance, it is leaving that perseverance up to someone other than yourself. Yes. But not in despair. Not it's in an despair. abandonment in faith. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, there's a hope tied to it. Yeah, yeah. Or like reaching out the other. I mean, if you've ever seen 
a movie none of you should ever see, Fight Club. Have you ever seen Fight Club? It's like they say once... What? Well, once you hit bottom, Center. that's the only time that you can truly be free. And yep. if, if that's what this means, like you hit the point where you don't think you can improve yourself, and yep. so you give it over to someone who can. Yep. Somebody's not following the first rule. Oh, you're not supposed to talk about Fight Club. Sorry, that was the Anyway, so... Uh, hey, I'm not in the club. Oh. I can talk about it all I want. <laughs> so what, uh, what the author talks about here is that to weep is to acknowledge that one needs to be saved. Um, mm. So it is that point of being at the end of oneself. Um, oh. I, I like this. So uh, from our topic on the ways of reading scripture, I like this kind of metaphoric way of thinking about tears. Tears have a second meaning. They're like water that falls on a hard rock and over time manages to penetrate it. Mm. So that, that hard rock is our heart that is being mm. changed. Um, so I like that as an analogy. Um, um, so run, run, run through them again. So first one, yeah. So first one is tears. It's, it's that admitting that, um, acknowledging that one needs to be saved. There's just this quote at the end that I was reading. Sadness is burdensome and acedia is irresistible, but tears shed before God are stronger than both. Oh, that was really good. Hmm. Uh, the second one is prayer and work. So, um, in response to the desire to not, to not pray and to not work, um, is to do it. You make to do those things. Yeah, uh, and even what's funny is so perseverance is, is that point. some sort of basketball analogy? No, no they make baskets. You pray. And oh, you yeah, work. yeah, you yeah. Make making baskets. the baskets. Yeah. Never, I got you. I was like, you, like dropping threes. You, uh, <laughs> you gotta do your free throws, your daily free throws. You just work and you pray. But um, so perseverance is point number five. But All also perseverance life. is in one of the quotes given here for prayer and work. Um, so. There, these are many of these are tied together, but pers- a quote from Evagrius: "Perseverance is the cure for acedia, along with the execution of all tasks with great attention and the fear of God. Set a measure for yourself in every work, and do not let up until you have completed it." Hmm. This is really good. The next one is contradiction, which is where Scripture comes into this, and so um, it's the use of so it uh, takes its example from Christ in the desert um, against Satan. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Where, where Satan would offer, uh, he would say one thing to Christ, but Christ would counter that with. Um, either a verse or another verse if Satan had quoted it, depending on which part of it. When Satan quotes scripture, uh, Christ quotes scripture right back. So the use of a verse from scripture to confound the mm-hmm. devil. Um, when evil thoughts come into one's heart, um, the goal is to dash them against Christ immediately. Um, and they use Psalm 137 here, which is just a really interesting spirit, spiritual reading of of that verse. It's, it's, it's a really tough part of uh, of the Psalms where they talk about like like um, killing all of like the, the children of Babylon, right? Yeah, it's a rough one. It is, but the, the reading that they take here is that it's not actually go and kill those people. It's there are these evil thoughts that are coming after you, and what you are to do is to... Um, Dash them against the rocks? The rock of Christ, yeah. Mm. So it's a it's a, mm. a spiritual reading of that. That is a much more enjoyable reading of Psalm one thirty seven. That's good. Um, then uh, the next one is uh, to meditate on death. Uh, Graham said memento mori, which um, remember that you shall die. Isn't mm-hmm. that yeah? It, um, isn't the famous story that uh, Caesar had someone who would wasn't Caesar? Oh. It was Marcus Aurelius, I think, and he would he would hire a slave to stand next to him and ever whenever somebody came in was like, oh, great emperor Marcus Aurelius, you are the most amazing thing. Your empire stretches to the heavens. Uh, the slave would lean over and say, um, you are but a man and you're yeah. going to die one day. Yeah. As like a counterbalance to your pride or as a counterbalance to thinking that you were amazing. As yeah. a slave, I feel like that would be a great job. That would be an yes. awesome job. Like there's Getting a lot the of jobs you don't the... want as a slave, mm-hmm. but that telling one... your master that he's going to die one day, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the good, that's, you get promoted <laughs> to that job. <laughs> that's not the menial work. Mm-hmm. And, I guess for him, it's, it was to bring him down to earth and yeah. say that you're humble and you're mortal and you'll die. Mm-hmm. But what this is about, so death this is for, an elevating. This kind is an of elevating because de- death for the Christian is uh, is excellent. I mean, it's it is to to be with God. It mm-hmm. is to see Him. Um, 
and be and be with him. So and also one day the toil of life is going to be done. Yeah, and the, the fallen and living in a in a fallen place. Uh, there will be, you know, Revelation chapter 20 is going to happen one day yeah. where there are no more tears yeah. and every knee, every knee bows. So that it is, so I, I can see, I, I can see how a memento mori in this is kind of doing double duty. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, humanizing you if you're feeling too, too high up, but it's also humanizing you if you're feeling too bestial or <laughs> you're good. feeling too lowly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That, um, I've done some some counseling training and through the uh, Christian Counseling Education Foundation, which is great. CCEF, go check them out. Yeah, they the first lecture that they do in the fundamentals of I forget if it's fundamentals of biblical counseling or dynamics of biblical counseling. It's one of those two names. But the first lecture that they do is an hour and a half description of heaven. Uh, and that's, that's awesome. How, that is how they start a discussion of counseling. And I just think there's something to that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That what sin wants to do is curve us inward and to look um, only at the despair, only at that sadness. But we have a great hope. Um, and death is, uh, in a weird way, a part of that hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reminding oneself of, man, when I want to flee from here and experience some earthly pleasure, it is incomparable to, or it is incomparably beneath the heavenly pleasure I will experience and that I can experience in some small way right now by staying and praying mm-hmm. and um, growing toward God. Cool. So I like that. That's uh, uh, to think on death. And then uh, perseverance um, is to stick with things. Very similar to praying and working, which was one of the earlier ones. But the, um, yeah, just to stick with things is really what it is. So there, there's a part of like human volition in this of like you choose to stick with that thing. But that's why I'm glad tears comes first is that you have to recognize that you need God and that you can't will yourself uh, to perfectly do all these things, but you still, you still try. I mean, you still want mm-hmm. to serve God mm-hmm. faithfully. Okay. At some point, are we going to talk about why the author's argument is that this is the unnamed modern sin of the times? Oh, um, this is actually the one part of the book I was going to skip. So God bless you. So, uh, so <laughs> and the reader is just rolling their eyes, or the listener. <laughs> so let me. Was that a God bless you in the way that Catherine Ball says "bless your heart," where maybe she's not necessarily blessing your heart? <laughs> Am I cursing your heart? Is that, <laughs> like a, no, the southern like, way you oh, say, "Oh, bless you their heart." There, poor child. Oh no, no, it's a great question. Oh. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, so so Evagrius is writing. Uh, I just poor Catherine. What? Can we make fun of her? We love you, Catherine Ball. Yeah, she's great. So, uh, Vigorous is writing in 345 AD, and then Thomas Aquinas, like, you know, not quite a thousand years later, but, you know, whatever, roughly, is going to um, to write more on Acedia, which we'll talk about in a second. But then from Thomas Aquinas to today, that word Acedia disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because, so, Vigorous has these eight, uh, eight wicked thoughts, eight evil thoughts. Uh, Acedia is one of them. Well, with Aquinas, mm-hmm. uh, Acedia and sadness get combined into one, which is sloth. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the, on the on Seven, Deadly, Seven Sins. Deadly Sins podcast. But from Aquinas to today, there's uh, William of Ockham, I think is the guy that they talk about, and he removes Acedia at all from his list of sins. And so that's why it's lost in that sense, mm. that it used to be a thing that was talked about up until um, uh, uh, the Middle Ages, right, the, uh, until the scholastics, and then it's lost, so to speak, from that. So it's a recovery of that term. Occam and his razor, just shaving, <laughs> just shaving like it down. The, yep, did it. How, how dare he? Different Occam, right? No, same Occam. William of Occam. Really? Oh. Yep. Yeah, see, you know these things. I just read it in a book once. Okay. Uh, so that's why it is the unnamed, almost literally, because, I don't know, outside of Christian, uh, outside of classical Christian circles, how often do you talk about acedia? It's true. Oh, and for the listener, Occam's razor is not that he shaved off acedia. That's me being <laughs> me at a poor attempt of joke. Uh, Occam's razor is something about... Simplicity, isn't simplicity. it? The simplest yeah, the simplest answer is typically, answer is the, right typically the right one. Which is a good so, one. Occam's razor. Except um, he's never watched Ancient Aliens. 
<laughs> what is Straight that? facts. I think the other reason it may have disappeared is just because we've we have moved to a different view of man. Like mm. it, as as an evolutionary based society, on the large part, we see man as not needing improvement. And so, why would you ever despair of being the thing that you are? You don't need to change. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think. I, I mean, a lot of people get sad, but it, it becomes less about sadness of, you know, I, I think it, it becomes a more confusing sadness when you don't understand kind of where it's coming from. Or if the human heart does feel this kind of despair, we've either pathologized it and said something on the lines of like, you are sick or your brain chemistry is all screwed up. Or we've also sort of externalized it and said, well, it's not a, it's not a human Dis- spiritual dissatisfaction at some sort of outside cause like the modern economy or You're not getting enough exercise or yeah or the the breakdown of family units because of the internet or whatever right mm-hmm. and um and uh, we always try want want to find some sort of outside um factor that we say is causing a spiritual malady because we don't want to say the human heart is wicked and broken right. and needs fixing and needs Jesus I I just came across this article from David Hicks who we talked about before about norms and nobility. Hopefully friend of the podcast. David, you out there? I have no idea. I hope. I hope so. You think I, he's one of those listeners? Well, he lives in rural Montana. So, so, I mean, him? there's not a lot to do in Montana. That's so, true. So but let's him a CD and send it out just there. Just wondering yeah. if the uh, internet has made it there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Montana is a beautiful place. That's gorgeous. <laughs> Who uh, sit inside listen to a podcast? He should. He should. So, uh, so he wrote Norms and Nobility, this very influential book on um, classical Christian education. So in 2016, he wrote this article about whether classical... Christian education is possible in the modern mm, age. Interesting. He said no. Yeah. Have you read this? I have not, but it doesn't surprise me. And he, part of what you all are talking about is is a piece of that, is that there's no longer this view of man being both this material and immaterial. Mm-hmm. And that's, even even the Greeks who uh, did not, were not Christian, still had this idea of there being kind of like... A spiritual side. Yeah, a spiritual him. aspect of a person. One, which is one, there are four reasons that um, classical Christianity classical Christian education is harder now than it was ever before. That's one of them. One of them is the loss of an idea of a telos, the, the an idea of there being an end or a purpose of a person. I forget the other two. But. Or an end or purpose that is... that is Like an ideal. Mm-hmm. To all people. Yeah. I'm sure... I think we have an idea of, of teleology, but it's an intensely personally crafted one. Yeah. You need to come up with your teleology for yourself. You need to come up with why, what is your reason follow for being? Follow your dreams. Follow your heart, follow your dreams, figure it out. And um, that's what college is for. And so that's why, you know, you can pay 40 grand to go figure it out and um, a year. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's... And we, <laughs> I like that addition. Uh, per year. Per year. <laughs> and so we've kind of, um, we can still, yeah, since our hearts are wired for purpose, but when we can now turn it in, we can sort of commoditize it and we can say, here is a, here is a market so that you can go and, and if you still haven't found what you're looking for, you can go and try this other thing. And um, I don't know. You, you are describing his article almost to a T. That's good. I hear the U2 song in my head, right? Still haven't found what I'm looking for. This idea of just sort of going off and trying all of these various different things. Whereas in the, ancient, in the classical world, it was human beings have a telos. Yep. Here it is. This is what it is. Yep. It is, it, is, you, it is the good life. It is happiness. And here are some prescriptions for how to follow yeah. it. I was actually wondering, as you talked about the five solutions, how, how much has psych, modern psychology mm. proven some of those things to be effective for depression um, or to be effective as solutions for man's soul? And how, 
how we we are trying to sort of find these same solutions, but we're doing it through a different avenue, right? We're mm-hmm. trying to do it through modern psychology and and lab studies rather than you know like tr- the tried and true wisdom of the monks. It's a kind of a different a different thing. But I'm wondering if we are ending in the same place. So this. Have y'all read uh, Pursuit? Uh, no, it's not Pursuit of Happiness. Victor Frankel, Man's Search for Meaning. I've not. So never he, read it. Victor Frankel, uh, is um, uh, he's a Jew uh, who uh, lived, survived the Holocaust. Survived right? the Holocaust, and that's what he wrote, Man's Search for Meaning, about um, the experience of people going through the Holocaust. And so, the um, he is kind of discovering like who made it through, like what what traits were there of people who made it through, and there was this like hope, like that there was a meaning to anything that was happening, that there was something on the other side of it. Uh, led to them making it through the concentration camps. He then developed a field of psychology called logotherapy. Um, and so logotherapy is what you just said. It's like ascribing, it's kind of picking a telos for yourself mm-hmm. is logotherapy. And so you give a meaning to your life. Um, so so yes, like it's a secular answer to, um, well, I don't know, the, the Greek idea of, Telus is also secular, so that's that's not a good way of phrasing it. But there's a modern psychological version of what has been a classical solution. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being there is a telos, it's you pick one. This is reminding me of um, theology. The, pre- the study of theology in the Middle Ages was seen as a medicinal art. Um, it was seen as something that you would use to cure spiritual maladies. So... Um, it was actually a very practical thing. Oh, well, you're feeling depressed about the world. Well, what you need to do is know that heaven exists. Yep. And there's your medicine for you. Yep. Um, and here's the reasons why heaven exists. And here's the theology coming from, from, and here's from the book of Revelation or whatever. And here's all of the different passages that have to do with heaven. And here's the story of it. Ingest it and you'll feel better. I, I love that. I always yep. love the idea that, 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 that um, theology was seen as a medicinal art in the Middle Ages. Okay. So I feel like we've kind of yeah, derailed yeah. you. We've talked uh, about the symptoms. We've talked well, about you just, no, no, I mean, AJ, the solutions. Yeah, well, that's part of the fun. But AJ, to your question of uh, have the five solutions been kind of borne out in, in social research, the answer is yes. It, but is it a, uh, a theological answer? Is it a religious answer? The answer is no, right? That's, um, I mean, yeah, it would be secular, but like the very practices that they do, you know, like work, mm-hmm. Um, speak truth to yourself, I think would be the modern version of contradiction, yeah. right? That kind of thing. Yeah. For effort, daily affirmations. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally yeah. a thing. Yeah. Or the, what about the like, if you're feeling weak, just like do a power stance. Like stand with your hands on your hips and. Have you heard chest the, the, out. the TED Talk? Did you watch that? Yeah. yeah. That's. Most of the most of that research fell under scrutiny. It has not been able to be replicated, but it's an interesting you idea. You don't say. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> it's a good TED Talk. Okay. So. Uh, Vagaris writes this stuff, and he, uh, I guess, yeah, a piece of what AJ is saying is that, like, this is unique to the the Desert Fathers, um, for sure, but, um, uh, and so not all of it's going to translate perfectly to the modern context, but um, that's why we jump ahead about a thousand years to go into Aquinas. Let's go into um, those, the The seven kids? Nasty, nasty little children? It's just because you mentioned seven, so... Vagrius had eight, mm. and they were based on, I think it's eight tribes that were surrounding Israel in the Old Testament at some point, and so... The Hittites, the Malachites, yeah. Jebusites... You want to go through this? Uh, I used to know them. Okay, well, this um, is going to be our next quiz show. Not really. But, th- so, uh, what Vagrius says is that each one of those represents a different one of these hmm. wicked thoughts. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's, one of the, again, another interesting example of someone um, 
not a it's not a literal reading of the scripture, but a, a spiritual reading of scripture that those tribes each point to a different evil thought or or sin. Uh, but then Aquinas really likes this idea of sevens, and so he doesn't want there to be eight of these bad things. He wants there to be seven. That's why uh, uh, sloth then becomes this combination of um, acedia and despair. But then what flows out of despair as a result of that? So, so these are the results of this is what acedia. comes from these yeah. are the seven. Yeah. So. So when you talk about something being a cardinal virtue or – I don't think cardinal vice is the right term for this. But um, that, that term cardinal comes from the Latin cardo, which is a hinge, um, because all sins uh, uh, hinge from that main sin. Gotcha. So things things come off of acedia. Things so like come off acedia of, has a drop-down menu. Yep. And under that <laughs> drop-down <laughs> drop menu yeah. are all of these little – Little tabs you don't want to hit. Yeah, and so these are the tabs you don't want to hit. So, um, so it's like recording a macro in Word. You just is this a bad one. Well, most people don't know how to use it, so yeah. you're like, oh no, there's a record <laughs> button. What do I do? And so, I don't know. This probably brings it closer to home. Of like, acedia is this fancy Latin term, but like, uh, what does acedia actually look like in the day to day? So, here's what it looks like in the day to day. So, we talked about fleeing the acts that sadden us uh, as being one of those categories. Um, that happens through avoidance. So um, uh, despair, we talked about, is the first daughter, the most terrible daughter of Acedia. Um, it's disgust with the things of God. Um, it's mm. man, uh, no hope in there being spiritual good. And that's a very sad place to be. That's despair. That's why it's the worst. Um, faint-heartedness is a lack of courage, which also flows out of Acedia. Um, and uh, torpor with regard to the commandments, I thought was a really funny way of phrasing it. What was that. the first word? Torpor. So torpor. It's like a laziness, isn't it? There's one for the book. Uh, state of, uh, yeah, inactivity or, or lethargy. Oh. So, yeah, torpor with regards to the commandments. Um, then there are... So, like, thou shalt not murder. Uh, I don't really want to. Thou shalt, like, honor thy father and mother. Or even commands that are, like, positive commands of pray uh, or fast yeah, or yeah. things like that. Okay. Even, would be even easier to see. It's just kind of a, I don't really want to. Is there, like, a what good is this going to do? Yes. Hmm. Yes. I guess we'll... Yes, I'll finish this and we'll wrap up with that. Okay. That's probably the, that, yeah, that will be interesting. So then there are sins that spring from Acedia by struggling against what saddens us. And the one of the things that can sadden us are other people. And so uh, struggling against other people, uh, they use the fancy term of rancor, but uh, bitterness or resentfulness, um, especially longstanding. So a resentfulness of other people is a thing that will flow out of mm. this despair. Resenting, it's like... Bowling alone, right? Isn't that the uh, the the you Robert, say bowling alone? Bowling Robert, Robert, yeah, Robert Putnam. That, that famous book that says his people are not hanging out anymore. People aren't hanging out anymore, and people are yes, they're still doing hobbies, but they are becoming more and more isolated. hobbies isol- isolated um, in this modern world. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's because of bitterness or resentfulness. Yeah, um, but I could see that happening. So we could point to something like um, um, uh, politics becoming more polarized. Yeah, and yeah. So there's. Um, Pew, the Pew Research Center has some really fun studies where they look at the number of people who are moderates, and that number is declining as people who are extremely conservative or extremely liberal are increasing. Okay, so that's a thing that's happening. Another thing that's happening is that people who are similar to one another are living close to one another. Mm. So uh, uh, people are less exposed to those who disagree with them. Mm-hmm. As a, It's just a thing that's happened. Uh, so there would be bitterness or resentfulness between uh, opposing viewpoints, mm-hmm. kind of in that, in that vein. Mm. Uh, so that's rancor, which is a bummer. Uh, and then the, uh, another thing that comes out of struggling against what saddens us is struggling against the spiritual goods themselves, and that's malice. That's hating of the good, which is not good. Don't do that. Uh, and then 
there's a whole group of things that are wandering after unlawful things. Um, so that's uneasiness of mind. Uh, curiosity, used here in a negative sense. Uh, loquacity, which is uh, uh, being loquacious, talking a lot. Uh, restlessness of the Being mind. a chatterbox, chatterbox, really? If you're, yeah. if you're despairing, it, you get to be a chatterbox? So we talked before about the uh, in, interior instability. And so one thing that being a chatterbox is, is an interior instability. It's that one feels like they have to keep talking and talking and talking. It, a manifestation of that interior unease is talking all the time. So this podcast could be the oh, three gosh, of us yeah, we're experiencing manifesting our season. <laughs> I hope we love, we love good things. We do love good things. We don't have despair over spiritual good. Um, but one of those things where you said the, the hatred of good things, Yes, this has been something that I've been thinking about uh, in regards to the heroes that we have in, in more modern movies. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember, so when the new, I don't know if it was new, but Superman movie came out and Superman as sort of a, our... Did you see it? I have not seen it. I have not seen it. But... Uh, you're in the majority, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but the but from what I read of, of reviews is... Um, Superman more in this like dark mold or we most a lot more of our action heroes are these heroes that are like really dealing with like dark personal trauma and they're brooding yeah. angry people so it's and like Superman some, but he has a gambling problem I know but we mm. sometimes see, we sort of see that as like Superman is more authentic because he's flirting with despair and badness whereas if we actually had modeled before us a hero that loved the good and wanted good things, we would think of that as sort of naive, right? Like Harry Potter gets darker as it goes on. And we think that's somehow more authentic. uh, authentic. Wasn't that, that's the Dark Knight trilogy, right? Exactly, yeah. It kind of has to be that edge to it for it to be real. But I mean, can you think of of a hero who loves the good and and, and, and sort of uh, joys in that good? Um, and, and sort of like it's just sort of poppy action movies of, of modern times. Watson. It just seems to be like a, a trope. Is it Watson? Yeah, not Sherlock. Sherlock is all messed up on the coke. But Watson wants the good. He has a family. He wants good for Sherlock. He's, he's a soldier. It seems like, but I, I mean, he's not. Goes, he, becomes becomes a bad guy. You talking about the TV show or are you talking about? I mean, she, it turns out she was a uh, uh, BBC version. Yeah. I mean, it turns out she was like a spy kind of thing, but yeah. she loves him. And I, I, I mean, Seems like Watson's in pretty good shape. At some point, he does struggle with a little bit of sadness every now and again. Right. But I think he's like he's a decent example of someone who wants and seeks the good. But he's a supporting character. Exactly, that's kind of my which point. Is the problem. Yeah, and not the hero and not himself. The hero. And because just like Samwise Gamgee, right? Because mm-hmm. if we had a hero, like for I think the modern dispositions, we wouldn't buy it because um, it's not believable. Because it's not believable. Gandalf? No. no. Um, yeah, isn't, but again, he's a supporting character. Yeah. He's not the main. Frodo can't go home, right? He's too and he's too changed by the experience. But uh, even, I don't know. We're spoiling all this kinds is, of things. This is play. not a. This is not a well thought through thought of mine. It's just something I've been thinking about. In that I can't think of heroes that um, haven't been sort of put into this sort of more modern despair thing because we think it makes them more believable and authentic. Um, Anyway, I'll sorry, Thomas, keep on. No, I buy it. I think that is spot on. Uh, okay, so wandering after unlawful things, we went uneasiness of the mind, curiosity, loquacity, restlessness of the body, and instability. And again, kind of more in this Benedictine sense of uh, the need to, to move. Like move to, to get out of here. Place. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you got to go to a new town or new switch jobs or... Yeah. Any of those things. Yeah. We just can't wait to get out of this place and go to college or just can't wait to graduate and get sure. out of here or That's, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That'd probably be a very common one for, for graduating seniors, yeah. right? The feeling that I'll get to college and everything will be better. Yeah. But um, your soul is the same. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of things will probably be better. A lot like of external a car, things are different. Uh, yeah, a lot of things will change in college. Mm-hmm. I found yeah. that they did. I, yeah, I agree with that. But 
those are all, I don't know, they're all external things. So like, let's say that I go off to college and all these external things are removed and then I act better. Have I actually gotten better? Like my sin can still be present. I'm just not manifesting it externally. This is, I think, the difference between a virtue and a habit, that my virtue can remain unchanged, but my habits can be better Mm. because um, that person I fought with all the time, I I no longer see them every day. Yeah, yeah, so I don't have to fight with that anymore. But I still might have hatred in my heart. Sure. It's just I surround myself with nice people, and Mm -hmm. so I never have to experience that. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Okay, so those are the um, uh, children of Asidia. That's what flows out of Asidia. Um, And um, also this... What came up in the um, Seven Deadly Sins podcast before is that most of these virtues are in opposition to a vice. And so a question might be, what uh, virtue is acedia in opposition to? Is it, do you want to guess on this one? Oh, I feel like this I could be our this. this could be our uh, our tiebreaker. Oh, gosh. What is acedia in op- opposition to? Yeah. Of one of the... Of one it's not of the... humility. Humility is opposite of pride, right? I'm not going to answer your questions. It's not. It's not charity. That's greed. Temperance? That is one guess for temperance. Uh-oh. AJ, what is your guess? Uh, I don't think it's temperance. I think temperance is for gluttony. Crap, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to spend too long on this. Again, not, not the greatest this is riveting radio. Yeah. Too, I <laughs> um, that was a, a trick question, and I apologize. It is in opposition to faith, hope, and charity. Oh, <laughs> sorry. According to Aquinas. Sorry. <laughs> Blah. That happened. Uh, the way that he this no game one is rigged. <laughs> no one wins when Thomas podcast. Oh no! Rend thee the system, Donaldson. <laughs> we're gonna tear this mother down. So we did we tell you about that? We, we were we were taking modern phrases and making them ancient. So like rip the system, rend thee the system, <laughs> and then uh, do you even lift? Do you even lift, bro? Was uh, dost thou even heft, brethren? <laughs> or hoist? I think it was hoist. Hoist, hoist or heft? Dost thou even hest? Hoist. Can we get? We need one anyway. of those as a tagline. Well, hoist, for the hoist would imply like a, a pulley and rope system. True. So heft. heft. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess all three, faith, hope, and love is Aquinas's answer to um, what is a CD in opposition to, which at one level means to practice faith, hope, and love is to fight against um, sloth. It's mm-hmm. to fight against that interior instability. It's to fight against um, mm-hmm. Asidia. So the, the reason he comes up with um, faith, hope, and love being the three things in opposition is uh, this idea of how one... Um, how one loves a thing, how one loves. Um, so, yeah, we'll go through this and we'll, it, it'll talk about how faith, hope, and charity relate into all this and then we'll wrap up at the end of that. So, um, trying to think, AJ, um, when you want, I don't know, like a really cool new DJ thing, walk me through, like what happens from you realize you need a new DJ thing to you get the new DJ thing? What, what happens? Um, first, I really hem and haw over whether or not I really need it. Are we talking like uh, one of my things breaks and I need to replace yeah, sure, it? Yeah, let's do that. Or like I need it. Okay, so... Uh, so I want it to be something that you want. So if the reason is breaking, that's fine. But it can also be you want a shiny new speaker. I don't know. Okay, so first I, uh, I hem and haw over whether I really need it. And then I accuse myself of greed um, because... <laughs> And then I wonder, I ask myself, am I ever going to get any new business? Because they're, you know, with DJing, it's kind of a, like, is it going to keep happening? I don't know. People <laughs> might stop calling me. I don't exactly advertise. Yep. So there's, I'm like, is the payoff worth it? Will I pay this off? Do I need this? And I, I go through this big cycle. And then once I'm, and do, do, while I do this, I'm also doing research for what kind of thing that I need because I don't, 
I, I found out long ago when you buy cheap tools, you you know you you pay <laughs> for, for you yeah. pay you, you, you pay, pay more for. for cheap tools than you do for expensive ones because you have to buy them again because yeah. they break. So I I find a good tool that's reasonably priced that's going to last me a long time, and then I buy it, and then I feel guilty for a while uh, until I feel like it's paid itself off. That's kind of my whole program. <laughs> I'm not really like no. This is actually me perfect. and money don't have a great relationship, but. But let's take that. So you start off and um, there's a thing that you need, but you there's kind of this back and forth of like whether you actually like have to have it or not. But eventually you find the thing that you need, right? So at some point you move um, from being passive as to whether you need this new thing to intending to buy that thing, right? I mean... But usually I try, I kind of have to like fool myself. I get on Amazon and I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, this is the thing. And this, oh, whoops, added a cart. Oh, how'd that happen? Oh, and I checked it. And then I have to feel guilty for a couple of days. And then it comes in the mail and I'm like, well, can't send it back. So, so yeah, but that's perfectly, weirdly enough, it's perfectly showing all three of these stages of what it means to go from being separate from a thing um, uh, and, and growing to love a thing. So obviously Aquinas would point this toward God, but from AJ's example right there, um, there's kind of this, um, this, this union of intention. So you go from being um, uh, passive in regards to speakers, passive in regards to DJ equipment, to the point of saying, I need one of those. I, I, um, I need one of those. At the second level, you take action toward that. You take action toward um, getting, I keep saying a speaker. I don't know the names for any other DJ equipment, so I hope that's close enough to a thing. Second well, level, those are things we need. So, speakers speakers are good. Yeah, so your second yeah. level is actually taking action. Music board. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, but at the second level, you uh, take action. You take action to go onto Amazon and click add to cart. Um, and then you buy that. And then the third one, you are eventually united with that thing. That thing is brought to you. Uh, a speaker is delivered to your door. And then we are one. And then you are one. Yeah. So it's kind of weird language I'm using here. Uh, but uh, uh, that is that is how love works. Love, it moves from this place of um, desire or um, um, intending a thing, desiring a thing, which is taking action, and then union with that thing. And so... Again, obviously Aquinas points us primarily to spiritual things, but um, God being the ultimate good, uh, so union with God is his ultimate goal. Um, one step before that is we must take action um, to, to um, I don't know, to train our hearts to uh, bring us closer to God. But to have those actions, we have to have an intention beforehand. And so Asidia is a breakdown of all three of those. And so ultimately, Asidia is a breakdown of, of seeing God as, as an ultimate good, a thing that is worthy of, um, worthy of union, worthy of affection, worthy of time. Um, but it's also, Asidia is an opposition to taking action toward getting closer to God. It's not seeing the usefulness of uh, prayer, not seeing the usefulness of time in scripture. But then it's also uh, um, opposed to that first moment um, of not seeing any purpose and intention. Um, so anyway, that's Asidia. Uh, I'll wrap up there. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll draw us to a close, and I might note to the listener that we have confirmed that that thing that's scratching around under the floor—it's not my chair. There's there's an animal under the floor. I'm pretty sure. Super fun. I think that's fun. Uh, so with this this has been classical stuff you should know. Thank you, Thomas, for Thanks. leading us through it. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can contact us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can also check out our website at classicalstuff.net. Net. Yep, same same ending there. And you can find us wherever podcasts happen, except for Spotify. You can find us on Google, uh, Google Music, and you can find us on iTunes. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Any questions you have, any suggestions for shows, we want to hear all that stuff. We love to interact with the folks that love the same things we do. So give us, a, give us a call. Uh, any last words, gentlemen? Oh, we have a, a quote. I got a commonplace book quote for you. Uh, this one is... Uh, 
about, it's from Plutarch's Lives, and this is about Lycurgus and the Spartans. Uh, and therefore, as soon as they came to be well-grown, they took a great deal of care of their hair, to have it parted and trimmed, especially against the day of battle, pursuant to a saying recorded of their lawgiver, that a large head of hair added beauty to a good face, and terror to an ugly one. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. So that's a, that's a good ending. All right. Thanks again for listening to us, and we will see you next time. Bye. See you later.